0: We're the Houston Oilers Houston Oilers Houston Oilers number one Yes we're the Houston Oilers Houston Oilers Houston
1: Oilers number Hello everyone you're listening to Battle Red Radio. My name is Matt Weston and this afternoon I'm joined by our good friend from across the sea. Uh Luke, how are you doing tonight, man?
0: I'm doing great, Matt. How are you doing this evening or it's uh, yeah, this evening for me, but this afternoon for you.
1: Oh, I'm doing very very well. It's nice and high outside. And uh also the across the sea is directly a reference of that Weezer song about like some 16-year-old girl sending a bunch of you know letters about how much she loves him that sort of thing and he's saying how much he misses her, and then he realized it. Well, I don't think he realizes it, but she's probably 16 the entire time or something like that.
0: Oh, wow. That's a... Wow, I did not know Weezer had such deep uh, emotional tenor to their to most of their songs. I was just, you know... Actually, what is the one Weezer song that I know? Uh, well, so this, is
1: not, this is like 1997, Weezer. And, you know, it's the summertime, and all the summertime is good for is just hurting your feelings and making you feel bad, you know?
0: I don't... I... Ca- Cap, I know like,
1: Weezer What Capitalism sure. sold you is a lie. It's not about sunscreen and good times and the the top down a car. It's just about having hurt feelings the whole time. Mm.
0: Okay, well uh, Weezer's first album came out the year I was born, so I'm not sure. <laughs> wow, okay. That's, that's that's a long, long time ago.
1: hmm They've been doing it forever.
0: Hey, they've actually got an album named after the after after Hurley from Lost, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, then they did like a, a vote for it, and the problem with Weezer after like their second album was they would come out with a CD like too quickly, and there'd be two good songs and ten of the worst songs you ever hear in your entire life. But if they just made one song over or one CD over like four years. There there have been eight really good songs on it, and people would have liked it, but they decide not to do, not to do that at all because I guess mm-hmm. money. I don't know.
0: Hey, listen. Uh, it's 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 tough being a struggling artist in the world, especially mm-hmm. um, especially when people don't buy your stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, as we all know too too well. So yes. for tonight's episode, last week we kind of talked about what was going on with the bill with the Brian Gain firing, and since that time, some other things have happened. Um, I can't really remember what, what we even talked about last week. It all seems so long ago. It was a, a different lifetime uh, last week. But the big news that came out. Is that Bill O'Brien is going to be not only the head coach, but the general manager of the team as well too. And so as a, as a quick rehash, if you forgot timeline of events, it was last Friday, and I guess it wasn't even last Friday, but the Friday before that. We we're all driving home, excited for the weekend, and Brian game was fired. The Texans then interviewed uh, Martin Mayhew and Ray Farmer to satiate the Rooney rule. They announced on Monday they're looking to sign looking to interview Nick Casario. Two days later, the Patriots fired tampering charges. The day after that, the Texans said, we're not actually going to pursue a GM at all anyways, and we're going to make Bill O'Brien our head coach. And so what seems to have happened was that the Texans hired Jack Easterby to be the vice president player personnel, former New England guy, and they hired him about you know two and a half months ago or so. And he probably had communications with Nick Casario way ahead of the Patriots Super Bowl ring ceremony. And like, I know that's a good narrative. It makes it seem like Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy. Or, you know, Oceans, not, not Oceans 11, but uh, Casino Royale, maybe. But I don't think this would happen at all. I think Easter B was contacting Casario ahead of that. And he kind of realized that, yeah, he'd be interested in taking this job. And that'd be something that he would be willing to do. And the Patriots probably had proof of this. And they were trying to get some compensation out of Houston. And they brought up on tampering charges. And rather than elongate the hiring process, maybe be fine and lose a pick or have to do anything to New England. They said, hey, we'll just try to sign him next week. And then after that even happened, the news came out that this clause that Casario has, they can't sign with any other teams, probably isn't even enforceable because it's a high-profile job and a job that a team can't block somebody in their front office from taking anyway. So where we're at right now is the Texans aren't hiring a GM. Bill O'Brien's the GM. Uh, Jack Easterby's going to help him out. I think Chris Olsen is all the cap stuff. Nick Asario is going to stay in New England, but he wants out of New England and the Texans are probably just going to try to hire him next year. And it's all like the stupidest, most absurd thing ever. And as you put it you know, very nicely, it's a dumb saga. And I think in the history of the dumb, dumb saga that is the Houston Texans, this is the dumbest saga of them all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of other dumb elements which are kind of interlaced throughout this here. Um, poor ray farmer and martin mayhew who had to just go in there for an interview that they probably knew was not for them that was not for them at all they, that was literally they just, better
1: have at least gotten like a really good lunch out of it you know
0: oh hell yeah like i i would ask for you know pretty much everything it's just like i want to be wined and dined kind of affair if you're, if you're just gonna jerk me around i want something out of this um a couple of a couple of things which um which also went down there um, the way in which Jack Easterby, who is, let me just get the official title, um, executive vice, or sorry, what's the, um, I'm trying to remember what Easterby's full title is. Um, I think it's
1: vice president of player personnel. Vice
0: president of player personnel, thank you very much. He left uh, New England on, eh, let's say,. Not so great terms. Uh, he left in response to, I believe, the Robert Kraft um, indictment on the solicitation of prostitution charges and that he made that known to the Patriots, um, that that was one of the main reasons why it left. So it's it was suggested, I believe, by Albert Breer or um, Mike Florio that one of the reasons why um, one of the reasons why the Patriots were playing hardball over Casario was due to or get back a little bit at easterby which is hilarious that's just so exceptionally petty and so exceptionally new england at the, the same time that they are just like oh you leave us well don't think we're not gonna forget about that anytime soon um
1: and i'm really i'm really glad also the patriots did do that and filed those tampering charges because it's just so on brand for them and it's 100 percent like what you should do in that situation is try to squeeze as much you know, value you can out of any situation possible, and they did it. And like now, I think Casario is just gonna be in the basement, like that guy in Office Space with the stapler, or like what they do to that one detective in The Wire, where he like he <laughs> does something they don't want him to do, and he goes into uh, evidence. And so like Casario is just gonna be like in the evidence locker for the rest of next year.
0: Yeah, he's 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 just gonna get buried. He's gonna get vice president. As it were, um, <laughs> it should. So O'Brien isn't running the whole show by himself. He's more, you see, as a good leader, all, as all good leaders know, it's not about managing everything; it's about delegating. So we've currently got yeah. uh, director of director of player personnel Matt Bar- Bazergan, um, who will, and director of college scouting James Leipert um, who will be heading up the personal personnel side. So Bazergan will be handling the pro stuff. Uh, Leiphardt will be handling all the draft stuffs, and they will report onwards onto O'Brien and Easterby will uh, probably be doing some kind of pro personnel stuff much in the same way that he worked in that role in New England. So he'll be sort of like an intermediary um, for the players. But it's also, again, much the other fun part of that is is the fact that Casario is now stuck in limbo being publicly quite annoyed at New England for not letting him go take the job. Um, and he's going to have to sit through that for the next year. So uh, that's a toxic work environment, if ever, if ever I heard, about, heard of one. Um, what else? What, what, what other pieces of um... – oh, I, I haven't been able to justify this, but I think if the Texans actually hire a GM next year, I believe they will be paying um, – I have to verify Yeah, because they're,
1: they're only a year and a half into Gaines' five-year contract and so exactly. he's just getting he's getting paid a lot of money probably to do absolutely nothing which is like he i mean he won out in the end you know i'd rather get paid to do nothing than watch football all day and get paid i really i'd rather not watch football and get paid six million dollars than watch football and get paid six million dollars
0: yeah do you want to know the other the other fantastic part of this what's rick that? smith's con- rick smith's contract runs out next year so there is a possibility at some point in the coming year <laughs> where the Texas could be paying for three general managers and two of them are doing nothing, which that is that is prime business and asset management right there.
1: Well, um, what, what just, needs to happen is that if they do, we'll talk about it in a second, but I guess if Bill O'Brien does get fired this year and you know, you don't sign Nick Casario, if you Bill O'Brien isn't there probably, that Rick Smith just walks in and then kind of takes over things all over again. And then, like, he yes. just hires Gary Kubiak's son to be the head coach or something. And we, <laughs> and come, so, into so, the, I, we come into the beginning of the, the next decade, like how we entered the beginning of this previous decade.
0: Yes, it's just time is a flat circle. Everything's cyclical. Uh-huh. I just I just remember, I think it was about like five or ten minutes after the game firing, Seth Payne on Twitter was just posting links to that Rick Smith article where it was just like, it was from. Uh, it was a quote from after Smith had left the Texans, where it was like, "This isn't a period. This is a comma," and it's just like, "Oh no, he's coming. He's coming back." So it's just like I, I constantly have that in my head. It's just. It sounds like something John Wick might utter before he kills somebody. It's just like this isn't a period. It's a comma, and then you know Rick Smith busts in the doors and you know kicks Bill O'Brien back out again. But again, that's probably not going to happen because Bill O'Brien is weirdly immune. Um. To to what to whatever might happen. Um, again, this this is going to be one of the the slightly interesting uh, stories to work out through the year is that the Texans are going to be going throughout this entire season without a general manager, which means they have no foreseeable future in regards to pro personnel and um, roster development beyond, or sorry, roster strategy development when it comes to when it comes to um, roster in terms of acquiring players, deciding who, whether or not who to trade for or to trade away, whether or not to re-sign anyone, all of that gets put on hold for an entire year because the Texans don't have the, an individual to do that. They don't have a general manager. We don't know how much Bill, O'Brien's gonna, Bill O'Brien and Matt Ber, Matt Bazurgan, um will be involved in that. We don't know if they're even going to talk to J.J. and Clowney for an entire year or so, which is... Uh, that's, a, that's another subplot that's, you know, been subsumed under this the fact that the Texans and Brian Gane didn't want Jadevin Clowney. And I imagine Bill O'Brien was involved in that kind of decision at some level. I can't imagine that Gain would have just gone completely over O'Brien's head and said, hey, we're trading Jadevin Clowney. We're not going to extend him. So, again, that's good Like because he's because Clowney is one of the big elephants in the room and regarding the Texans. And Also, also that's the thing. If this season doesn't turn out the way that the way that the Texans have planned and Cal McNair has planned, do you keep Bill O'Brien? Do you take a look at his five years now in charge, of, or sorry, what will be five years in charge of the Texans, and do you say, I want to commit to paying another individual to essentially make sure that my coach, who may or may not have accomplished very little with this team, very little for me, To essentially carry out whatever his wacky grand plan of recreating New England, but in hotter weather.
1: Yeah. Well, this is even his his sixth year as the head coach now too, because he came in '14. This is yeah. So like, there's kids who were in seventh grade and they're gonna graduate high school this year and have only known Bill O'Brien or like really remember Bill O'Brien as the head coach during their formative years, and I feel so bad for them. But, uh, yeah, let's start off with that because about this idea, if Bill O'Brien's on the hot seat. Uh, Steve L. asked this question on Twitter, and if the Fire and Brian game makes this seat you know, even warmer than it already is. And I think, no, I think this is one of the situations where Bill O'Brien saw the roster, he saw the schedule, and I think he pooped his pants a little bit and was like, yeah, if we win six games or seven games or if we miss the playoffs at all, I'm probably gone. And as he's done his entire career in Houston – is he's postured himself to be in a brighter, shinier light than anybody else around him, and has put blame on everybody else but himself regarding, from you know Ryan Mallett to name redacted, uh, to even wanting to play Deshaun Watson after starting Tom Savage for the entirety of preseason, and these sorts of like just awful, hideous decisions. And uh, regardless if he made them or not, but you know that's as a leader, that's not really what you want to do, USA. We thought this was the best decision and work out, and we quickly adjusted and moved on, and uh, and so this seems like the ultimate posturing where he sees this, he sees the storm coming, goes to Cal McNair and puts the blame on Brian Gain, says he has another guy, lists the credentials, Easterby talks to Cal McNair as well too, Brian Gain's fired, and now he is completely removed, he's fresh out the womb, clean, well except he's he's uh, he's smooth, but he's very bloody. And is squabbling, and I think he's going to be able to coach this entire year without a problem, even if the Texans were to say you missed the playoffs, which I'm assuming they're going to this year.
0: Mm-hmm. I think there's an interesting implication in what in what you said there, in terms of he took a look at that schedule and he thought, okay, things are about to go south, which is an inter- which is an interesting prospect because if he's going to Cal McNair, then what is he saying? Is he saying this team isn't as strong as we think it is, and Brian Gain is to blame, or is it? This team can be better, just get rid of Brian Gain and we can improve.
1: before the you know, the season starts, potentially, yeah. this is the idea there. Well, and I, I want to also just like kind of list off this schedule real fast. Their first games at New Orleans, Jacksonville at home, at Los Angeles Chargers, Panthers at home, Falcons at home, in Kansas City, then they play in Indianapolis, then the Raiders go to Houston, then they play Jacksonville, London. Then they go to Baltimore, the Colts come home, then they play the Patriots at home, then the Broncos at home, and then they go to Tennessee, Tampa, and then Tennessee comes back to the year. And, like, this is all the all the scheduled proje- predictions and projections are all going to say the Texans have the toughest schedule this year. And it's also, more importantly, a bunch of guys who can really throw the football and take advantage of the Texans' bad secondary. And, like, having Bradley Roby there is a lot better than Sharice Ride. But it's still going to be a bad secondary, and they didn't do enough to improve the pass rush. And Bill Bryant hasn't shown – he showed like five five or six games with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. He's actually allowed him to throw the ball downfield. And so unless they score 31 points or 27 points, uh, they're going to be in the market for losing a bunch of games. Even then, those games, they're probably to win by one possession, too as well. So it's like it's the schedule and the roster doesn't match up very well for the schedule they're about to play too.
0: Yeah, there's – just again, thinking thinking back to that schedule, it does not it does not inspire confidence, especially considering the Texans roster is top heavy. and if any of those top heavy pieces do get injured, things can cascade very, very, very quickly. And we could be looking at going from maybe a six or seven win team to a four to three win team. That's 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 the kind of horror that we could be looking at in terms of the Texans going forward, which, you know, Bill O'Brien may have sold that to Cal McNair, in which case I'm very interested to see to see what comes out, to what comes out afterwards.
1: Yeah, and I it's, also just want to iterate, too, that whenever you have a really great quarterback, like Deshaun Watson is, he's a really great quarterback, like the floor on your season is never really, like, four games. Like, I can't think of a great quarterback who started 16 games and they won four games. Like, I think the floor is seven games, eight wins, you know, six wins maybe at the lowest and like Matthew Stafford, for example, they won six games last year, but it sounds like he broke his, he's played with a broken back last season or something, which is just so like Matt Patricia and so stupid about trying to be tough and gritty and blue collar as they try to make their own new England version in the North. And so like, I think the floor is a lot higher than people say Uh, like BFD, for example, we talked about last week. I think their floor is a lot higher than four wins or something. But like, if enough injuries happen, it could be you know that disastrous because AJ McCarron, of course, is the backup quarterback.
0: Yeah, and again, like going back to Watson, going back to what this entire situation has kind of exasperated more than anything else. This feels, or sorry, this um, these kind of movements um, are kind of kind of impinging on what the key aspect of the Texans roster right now is, is that. They still have Deshaun Watson on a rookie contract, and they and that, but that is that is not a like an infinite resource. That is a you have a finite amount of time to make to build a roster around that using the cap room that you have due to the fact that you're not paying Deshaun Watson, however, x 20, 30 million or so per year. So all of this kind of feeds back into the same to the same kind of thing of just like. What are we doing? We're wasting time firing a GM that probably didn't deserve it. Because like that's that that's one of the things which I've thought about also over the past couple of days. We can criticize Brian Gain a lot for what he did this offseason, season, and we should. Um, I think his mismanagement of the cap was pretty damn bad. What he what he decided in regards to Jeddah Gede- and Clowney, I think, was probably a bad mistake too.
1: And and, and, and he's most most importantly of all is he's a coward.
0: Indeed, he is a coward. He's like,
1: um, he's a, like, he's as much of a coward as Chris Ballard is. But everybody loves Chris Ballard because he was smart. But they the Colts had bad off season too. They did the exact same thing.
0: Yes, and but as as I kind of like said this before, what was Gaines' most egregious um, sin in regard in regards to his his work as a GM? Like looking over his entire two years inaction is probably his most grievous sin, like, or cat mismanagement, maybe.
1: I guess sloth is would he... be the answer.
0: Yes, sloth. Or, like, <laughs> whichever one of the seven deadlies. Actually, no, especially he didn't lust after anyone. Uh, did he love anyone? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the six deadly sins off the top of my head. It certainly wasn't gluttony because, well, actually it may have been gluttony because he kept all of his cap space. Um, but the thing we're, sorry, underpinning all of this is that he didn't really do anything to get fired. He didn't like he didn't make one egregious mistake or one thing that was just so dumb that you you were just like, okay, he needs to go right now. And yes, despite all of that, he still got fired. which think about the, this terms. should a coach have that much control in regards to what? what what the GM the GM who is in charge of essentially the entire football operations i uh, Bill O'Brien does have control over certain amounts but Brian Gain is a is the other hand on the wheel of the car here do the, should one have what so much control over the other and that's and that's kind of alarming because again we mentioned like Albert Breer had this kind of line from I think it was one of his original posts after the firing of um after the firing of Brian Gain, where he reiter he says like this quote Again, the NFL is a coach's lead. The four coaches who have played in the conference championships in January, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Sean McVeigh, and Bill Belichick, all carry a big stick in their representative organizations, and it doesn't stop at the white lines. If you have a good one, and the Texans believe they do, chances are that guy's voice will resonate. Those four people are not like Bill O'Brien. They've yeah. shown like, this is this is one of the mind-boggling things of just, like, the people who have the power that Bill O'Brien now has are nothing like them because they've achieved far more over a longer period of time within the NFL, except for Sean McVay. However, he's achieved it at a much higher rate to the point that just those guys have earned that. What has Bill O'Brien earned so far? He's... Well, he,
1: he like, did beat conor cook in a playoff game and he's the only former new england coach to win a playoff game underneath the bill belichick tree that's the that's the hot that's the pinnacle of that coaching tree
0: exactly which speaks more to this bizarre idea of let's build another new england without the two main aspects that you need to build new to make the patriots work which is tom brady and bill belichick you'd not you have neither of those and yet you're still thinking yep this strategy as a whole. Seems is it's gonna work. Hey, we've got the winner out of the bunch here. No, you haven't. You've just got one guy who ran into who ran into the Raiders just as their starting quarterback got injured and was replaced with a scared thirteen-year-old kid.
1: Yeah, poor. I feel I feel bad for Cook in that game. Just a on Clowney just obliterating him over and over again. Because I think even I think Donald Penn was out that game too, and it was Austin Howard trying to block Clowney, and it was just. A massacre, but yeah, I think that's kind of the the big th- the big thing about this too is that not only is Bill O'Brien trying to be the head coach, but he's trying to be the general manager, and he has not shown any ability as a head coach at all to warrant this level of power in the franchise to have this much say and dictate the entire control and vision of the franchise. When the best season he had was going eleven and five against a bunch of teams that could, that couldn't throw the football, were stuck running the ball against the best run defense in football. That I've never and I've also never felt in the five years I've been watching Texans games coached by him, that the team is exceeding what, where they should be at or is, like, getting the most out of their talent. I've always felt that they were just scraping the bare minimum out of the talent on their roster and that like, they're not worse than what they should be, but they're never, like, better than what they should be. And also during that time, too, like, they have played such boring football, like, year in and year out, where it's just, like, it's just not enjoyable, too. And I think it's kind of like the worst thing from a fan's perspective that not only are you trying to emulate something that you can't replicate, but you're also playing just this boring, like listless, uninded random football. And it's just like, a- aesthetically, it's not a lot of fun. And it's not as enjoyable as it could have been. And uh, like, now there's Watson. Like even then we're watching Watson play games where he throws zero passes over 15 yards. And like, there, why, like why stick around with that? It's just, it's bad, it's boring, and it doesn't work. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's disheartening, you know?
0: Yeah. And this this again, that's another point that should be quite quite I I feel stressed a little bit. What do we get for keeping Bill O'Brien? What like what is what is the upside? What is the potential here that is like that you've that you've maybe seen and glimpsed that's been like warranted from what you've seen over the past four or five years?
1: I mean like, really, where- really it's like he won games. Like that's it. Like he won nine games, he won eleven games last year. And it seems like the players like to play for him and like he's not like completely incompetent. Like it's not like, you know, you're watching ugh, man, it's like it's not like you're watching Hugh Jackson out there, you know. Like there he has the ability to have somewhat of a like he's a middle manager, you know, he's fine or whatever and that's in those sort of a- aspects of it, but he's not like good. And that's that's I guess the only good thing that you can say about Bill O'Brien. Like he should be like, he's great as far as like managing enterprise rent-a-car, but you don't want him to be a CEO of one of only 32 franchises out there.
0: Yeah. And like further, further to the point that if Cal McNair was sold on this idea of drastically changing the Texans fortunes, first and foremost, why fire the GM? He is not in charge. or sorry. The person who has more influence on that in regards to the general football operations and just day to day, how good is the team? That's the that's the head coach. That's Bill O'Brien. If you're if you're firing game to change the team fundamentally, then you're 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 pointing the gun at the wrong person. I feel.
1: Yeah. And, that's, and so that's, we we had a we had a question here from Meeks on Twitter, and Luke he asked, "How is it possible Cal thinks O'Brien is still a genius? Does he think this is normal?" Uh, so, I guess, like, why, what is Kyle McNair seeing here? Like, well, I know that he recently took over the reins, and I think maybe part of the firing of Brian Gain was that he wanted to make a big decision. You know, he's firing the owner of the team. He wanted to do something on his own. You know, he he, he felt good in the mirror. The the belt was one knot a little bit tighter. He felt a little yeah. bit, or it was a little bit looser. He's able to, you know, push up one more notch in the belt. It uh, felt a little yeah. bit better, and then he's like, I'm going to make a big man decision today and fire Brian Gain. <laughs> Or it's just like he listens to Bill O'Brien, like his father did, and everybody listens to Bill O'Brien. What do you think? Do you think he thinks that O'Brien's a genius?
0: Yeah, I, I mean maybe. I just I just like the imagery there and the kind of the thought of just like Cal McNair when waking up today and just like I'm gonna make a big boy choice. And just, just like sitting in the big boy chair in the big boy office <laughs> he unscrews doing the big
1: the, boy. He unscrews the top to his sippy cup. He's like, I don't need it, I don't need the sippy cup. I'm drinking out of the cup today.
0: Yeah, just straight out of the cup. Um
1: Or I also Cal- like the idea too of Cal McNair just like drunk in front of his computer reading Red Redblog and be like Damn it. Gain did gang did botch the off season and then fire him the next day. That's the reality that I like to imagine.
0: Damn it. We, in all honesty, we are responsible and we do apologize for causing this own mess. However, in for uh, in respect to us, uh, it created a huge amount of Nick Casario content for us to post. So, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're working both ways. What does Cal McNair see in Bill O'Brien? Um, I think Cal kind of values a player's coach. I think he, and I think Bill O'Brien, and this is one of the things that I think missed or sorry missed out a little bit O'Brien has got the perception whether or not it's true or not and I think this goes I think it goes back to during the whole Dwayne Brown uh Bob McNair let's call it fiasco um, to kind of gloss over what it what it actually was which is you know the owner of the Texans said some controversial stuff and uh you know that that played out um but during the Texans players' protests, o- O'Brien stood by them, and he said, these are my guys. If they want to do this, I will stand by them 110%. And I think that actually gains heft, and that gains sort of credence within a locker room. And I think McNair values that. I think if he goes to players and asks them what do, what do they think of Bill O'Brien, I think they'll speak kind of glowingly of him. And for him, I think he wants to stick by his players more than anything else, and he wants to create this kind of unity around a singular individual. It's just a shame that individual has to be Bill O'Brien, but uh, yeah, I think I I think he wants he wants to keep kind of continuity at players level more than anything else.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, that that makes sense. I feel a little bit better. I feel slightly better about it, but I still don't feel good at all. Um, So Bill O'Brien, his his Twitter bio now is you know father, son, head coach, and he's calling the plays too. I always forget about that. Even though Sean Kelly is or Tim Kelly. Is offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien is still calling the plays for this team. Uh, Play caller, former offensive coordinator of both the Texans and the Patriots, former offensive coordinator of Tom Brady, and uh, understudy, I guess you can call it, of of Bill Belichick for one year. Former Brown football player.
0: Bill Belichick's best boy.
1: There we go. Yeah, best buddy with Bill Belichick. (laughs) And now he gets to add general manager to his title. So what else should we put on uh, Bill O'Brien's Twitter bio?
0: Um, I would say savior of Penn state football.
1: Good one. That's an important um, one. Um,
0: what else, what else would I say? I um, got,
1: uh, got Christian Hackenberg drafted.
0: Yes. Got Christian Hackenberg drafted. Very, very good. Um, got Matt McGloin
1: NFL job too, probably.
0: He did. Good point. Actually, you got, you got Matt McGloin an NFL job. Um, yeah. He is responsible for the continued steady employment of Irish American football um, football coaches in the NFL. Yeah. Because um, quite frankly, look look at the Texans uh, back room. They've got Kelly, or sorry, they had Kelly, or sorry, they have Kelly. They had Ryan, um, Easterby, when well, maybe not, maybe not. But there's been just a slew of Irish Americans, uh, including himself. Uh, that's been rolling. That's been rolling through the Texans. Um, God-
1: Godsey could probably could maybe Irish.
0: Yeah, Godsey, Godsey could probably. pull no, I forgot. Pull, pull you, it
1: up. you also forget that he fired Godsey, and they just had just as bad of an offense the next year. Even.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was just, Oh, uh, we we almost forgot because. Uh, I think I think we should have like an inspirational quote right right down there at the end, just you know to to sum up Bill O'Brien in a couple of words. Um, with uh, that's on me, Brian.
1: Perfect. It's like his version of "I'm trying," Jennifer.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just tweeting it. Maybe CJ a, McF-
1: he can make it. A, That's on me, Susan. I like that. Yeah. Also, you forgot, or I almost forgot too got in a heated argument with name redacted once.
0: Oh yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> it's just like I don't think Bill O'Brien's ever had ever ever seen a fight that he he didn't think he could win. It's just like <laughs> got into a fight with with redact name redacted or and, uh, uh, left
1: uh, left Tom Savage in the game after he. Was bashed in the head and had a seizure on the field.
0: Indeed, indeed. um Play, uh, Played me...
1: Arian Foster in a thirty-eight to seven game against Miami and tore his Achilles and ruined the rest of his career.
0: Why don't you guys believe in Ryan Mallett and Brian Hoyer like we do? That's a good one. Um,
1: or believer of Ryan Mallett and Brian.
0: Hoyer. <laughs> believer, yeah, believer. Ryan Mallett and Brian Hoyer. um Oh wait, sorry, got the got the got the two mixed up there. Um, what a. What a other promised, other,
1: other promised Andre Johnson 40 catches and delivered them to Nate Washington.
0: <laughs> oh no, oh, that I remember that one
1: too. Oh, that was bad. So many um, good things.
0: No, yeah, offense, offensive in, innovator, creator of the edge position.
1: Yeah, so um, that's,
0: that's that's never going to leave my mind. That whole Tyler Irvin, we're thinking about coming up with a new position, we're going to call it <laughs> the edge. You're just like, what.
1: And also, the thing about that was so dumb, too, is that Tyler Irvin's best skill set was running the football. Like, he was a, <laughs> a good runner in San Jose State. And, like, the kickoff stuff was like, yeah, this is fine, but it's, doesn't, it's not really impressive. Like, his best skill set was running the ball, and they never let him run the ball. I think he had, like, five total carries for, like, 12 yards probably. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. He's, uh, I mean, wh- okay, what What other? A
1: 2014 uh-huh. A-rating draft class. <laughs> Uh, from Mel Kuyper.
0: Uh, oh, he's always struggling to keep track of time.
1: Um, well, he's like William to... Faulkner, you know, time doesn't Ex- exist.
0: <laughs> he wishes he could have time in the bottle like Jim <laughs> Uh
1: Yeah. And I think you could also put down, uh, beat the undefeated Cincinnati Bengals.
0: Ooh, yes. Yeah. Slayer, Slayer, of, Slayer of the
1: undefeated, of the undefeated Bengals. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was mean, just like all 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 the teams, Just just like Feller of Titans, um Tamer of Jaguars.
1: <laughs> I like that.
0: Rider of Colts. Um
1: go. Or break, like, I all, guess you break a Colt in, right? So you do the horse, you break it in. Yeah, it's
0: just like break, breaker of Colts. Yeah, like all, all all to just just to try and reiterate ownership over the AFC South, which is like, you know, ownership of a over a used like beat up car. It's like
1: some <laughs> Yeah, it's a, or like it's or like winning like the B league of an intramural basketball league, <laughs> which is a big honor. I went 0 and 4 in intramural playoff games. I was like the Houston Rockets of intramural playoffs. Or, like oh. I, I was the Tracy McGrady of intramural playoff basketball. But That's anyways, it. yeah, like it's unbelievable though all the dumb things that have happened over the last five years with him as the head coach, and for him to just get even more powerful as time goes on. Uh, it's 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 insane it's like a video game where you as you hit the boss more and more and deliver more damage he gets stronger and delivers more damage back and i i mean he's going to be here again i think for all next season uh we talked about with the hot seat as well too and so now that he is the general manager what can he do to make this team better because the team still has 40 million dollars in cap space they could still potentially trade for some veterans uh, I mean, I don't know who you really would trade for at this point, or who you're gonna go out there and sign whenever all the good players are gone. And I still can't believe they'd even make a run, Gerald McCoy, considering the interior pass rush help they needed. And I still can't believe they gave Angelo Blackson four million dollars a year as well, too. But yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, like, what are some what are, what do you want Bill O'Brien to do now that he's the big man in the big si- in the big seat with the big hat?
0: Uh, if it was me, what I would do is I would call Washington. And I would ask them, is Trent Williams really never gonna play again for you guys? Because if so, I would be just like, what would you potentially want for him? And I would, you know, I would try to examine and whether or not and see whether or not there is anything to be had in there because the Texans need tackles.
1: Yeah, he's only Even th- he's only 30 years old, and yeah. the only <laughs> the only problem I have with train for Trent Williams is you just drafted Howard and Sharping, and it's like if you're going to trade for Trent Williams you wanted to trade the pick this year to get Trent Williams. So your first round pick is pretty much is you're pretty much trading for that first round pick already, but now you've already used, now you're pretty much potentially using three top, you know, 50 picks on one player or one position in that way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm not entirely for trading for an offensive tackle like that.
0: Yeah. I'm, but I mean, in terms of just immediately improving the roster, I think Williams Williams does that right away. You can shift Howard maybe over to right tackle. If he's not if you like if you feel like he's not gonna be that great out of the gate, maybe you kick him inside to guard, maybe oh, he, you... he's
1: already practicing guard. He's practicing every position but center. Like they they've never learned and they'll never learn. <laughs>
0: oh no so he's getting oh crap wait was it was it rankin that was getting guard tackle and center treatments?
1: something like that and like oh. they, they love this idea of versatility whenever what's more important is like having a player be good at one at a position you know and they love versatility along the offensive line i always call it i'm just calling it a waterbed nowadays that that's their offensive line uh philosophy
0: it's so it's so bizarre that the sport, the sport of American football as a whole is one which is of increased specialization. Like you have one guy who and only one guy who throws the ball and you've only, you've one guy and one guy only who maybe catches the ball. A couple of guys who do the blocking, a couple of guys who chase after the guy who's doing the throwing, a couple of guys who are chasing after the guys doing the catching and from the guy who's doing the throwing. And yes... The Texans think, nah, let's not specialize. Let's diversify, and let's try let's try and get as many people to do as many things as possible, regardless of whether or not they're good at it or they should do it. Which yeah. is, it's an innovative strategy, which is quite frankly not paid off. So, uh, I'm looking forward to watching it continue to not pay off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, why? Why are they doing? Or, or like you would think you would learn after last season when you moved to Davenport to right tackle and completely screw him up, and try to start ranking left tackle, which like Rankin can be a tackle, but he just can't be a left tackle. He should be a right tackle. And that was obvious coming up. Or it wasn't obvious, but I like, watching him in college, you're like, yeah, like he probably shouldn't play left, but he could definitely play right. And uh and like they screwed that whole thing up. Uh and like even like Jeff Allen, for example, he blames the fact that he played left guard on why he was bad in Houston. he was just bad, but I guess if you wanted to find some more blame to to point at him. But like just let a guy play his best position, especially a guy like Howard who doesn't who has to learn how to play professional offensive line just go ahead and just confuse them even more than you already can you know
0: yeah it's it's like the Texans are great at adding it seems like adding uh additional difficulty levels to you know what is what should what should be a relatively easy kind of task yeah when anything
1: else uh well so the Williams trade is interesting I just don't like it from just I think it's a It's just such an inefficient use of resources to devote that much money and that many draft picks at the same position because you screwed it up, you know, two months before. And if Williams really wasn't going to play there, they probably could trade, like, a first-round pick and Matt Cleo and Julian Davenport and Sancho Henderson for, you know, Williams, you know. And so I just don't like it from that aspect for this year. Um, And, you know, Patrick Peterson suspended for the first six games. And, like, everybody else, I don't know. Like, I don't know what veterans you could trade for picks. The only team that's really tanking this year is the Dolphins on the onset of the season. And the Dolphins don't have anybody good you would want to trade for, you know? Like, Laramie Tunsil's yeah. going to get extended there. I guess if you wanted to trade for their safety or try to trade for Devontae Parker. But, overall, like there just isn't a lot of pieces there that you would want to give draft picks for. And that's, like, the only tanking team this season that you could kind of sniff around at.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean I'd love to get Kenyon Drake because he's about well he's about to have like a ridiculously good season. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh,
1: if he gave up like a third for him, but
0: Yeah, but again, that that'll probably go up after this season, after everyone sees what he does when he's not in Adam Gase's doghouse. Which Adam Gase, like who okay, who who did a better job getting a GM fired? Adam Gase or Bill O'Brien?
1: Oh O'Brien, I would say, because O'Brien like they won games the year before, and then also the GM of the Jets nobody had really liked for five years or so now, and, uh, and like that whole thing was kind of weird too. How quickly they hired Douglas and like how happy he was they quickly take over? Yeah,
0: that was I, again that may have just been weird. I just I, I love the optics of like if you're looking for dumb stories, then getting <laughs> who, what, which which is dumber. Being fired by the guy that you just hired, or getting hired because you were the friend of somebody, and then getting fired because you weren't his best friend.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like, even in addition to that, uh, it seems like there's only really one move they can make right now. And it's that's just like fix the J.A. Van Clowney situation. Like, that's really the only yeah. thing I think Bill O'Brien can do as a general manager, <laughs> which is so funny to say, as a general manager for the season. Like, just pay Clowney $22 million for four years. He's 27 years old. He hasn't been hurt at all over the last two seasons. He's been healthy for three years now. J.J. Watt's the injury, injury-prone injury player. He's the one who's falling out of his prime at the moment. Clowney's entering the prime of his career. Uh, he should become a better pass rusher, I believe. Like, it just he needs to think of a, a move to do after his first move is stopped, and that's his one problem. He's probably the best edge run defender in football, too, at the moment. And, uh, and like, he's just he's spectacular, you know? And yeah. so, like, just sign him. Give him $22 million a year. Watt, I think, has, has, two more year, has two more years left on his contract. I think he's a free agency after the next season. Clowney at 28 is your bridge to build around your team, your defense around once Watt's gone. And, like, you don't kill your cap by paying really good players a lot of money. You kill your cap by paying mediocre players a lot of money or bad players a lot of money. And paying Clowney isn't this at all. Um, and, again, like, he's been healthy for as long as he's been, you know, for the last three years. And the other thing about it, too, is that they need him right away this season. Like, last year, Clowney was bad for the first three weeks of the year. They lost all three of those games. And it wasn't until week four It wasn't until week four that he had a great game. The game against Indy that they won, of course, is a Frank Reich's over, overtime decision. But he was super rusty. It took him, like, a month to become a, a great football player again. Houston can't have that this year if they're going to make the playoffs. They need, they need him and Watt rushing the passer every single week right away from the beginning. If not, they're gonna they can't go zero and three this year. And make the playoffs against the schedule, and so they're gonna need him right away. And having Clowney miss all training camp, miss all of the preseason is just gonna lead the same thing all over again. And then you're paying this guy nineteen million dollars on the franchise tag for you know twelve games of production, and they can't have that. Like that's another like they have to have those two rush the passer, and even more so because they didn't add any pass rushing this off season. So uh, I mean, really. When it comes to O'Brien as the GM, like in-house moves and stuff aren't really important. I don't think it's more about ex- extending Clowney and getting that thing taken care of, and then from there, you know, we'll just kind of lay around until Nick Casario uh, shows back up.
0: Yeah, and like again, all of the all of the points I, I would echo in regards to Clowney. This is just this is the piece that you like. You don't have anyone else that's really going to hit the same kind of ceiling that Clowney could potentially hit and is like hitting right now in terms of anyone else on the defense can be like that over the next three to four years. You don't have a replacement. If you lose Clowney, that's pretty much it for your defense. You will see a dramatic, dramatic drop off. This like this isn't like an Albert Haynesworth kind of situation. He's not like he's not coming off any major injuries he's been healthy the past three seasons he's coming into his prime he is one of the best players in the nfl right now so why why are we dragging our heels to paying him
1: yeah it, i feel like Haynesworth was like 31 when the redskins gave him that that uh speed belt money you know
0: yeah that was a man that was a that was a bad deal for all parties involved but yeah clowny clowny is not clowny is not Haynesworth by any stretch of the imagination
1: Yeah, and I I think like that whole the Texans should trade clowny thing is just the dumbest example of galaxy brain thinking. Like I can think, like you're trying to be smart and think outside the box, but it's actually just really dumb and it's very simple and you don't need to be a nerd, you know? And uh, and just do it. Just extend clowny. Let's get this over with and at least have like one good thing to come out of this offseason.
0: Yeah, it's just like we can keep punting and getting assets to build down the road, but at some point you're just like, you know, you've got you've still got to Sean Wilson on a rookie contract. It's just like, why aren't you going for it now kind of thing? Why yeah. do you have to keep going? Like, why do you have? Why do we have to keep pushing the boat? Or why do we have to keep pushing the cart down the road here and saying, uh, no, we cannot. He's not worth it in the long run. We should try and flip him for assets and see if any of the assets that we get, whether they be draft picks or young players, will they turn out to be actually worth the money that we wanted to pay Clowney? It's just like, no, Clowney's worth it. He's definitely worth it, so, you know, do it now. Stop overthinking this because you're just going to make the team worse in the interim.
1: Yeah, or, like, I, would, I mean, I would have died if they traded him to Kansas City for, like, next year's number 15 overall pick or whatever it ended up being, and then they just draft a pass rusher. It was like they traded Dwayne oh, Brown yeah. for that second-round pick and just drafted Max Sharping, a guy who's never going to be as good as Brown is, who probably I don't think is ever going to be very good in the NFL. Uh, and you're just like, yeah, great trade. Great job, guys. I'm so glad. Yeah. I just love whenever things, like, they come all the way back around, you know. I should move to Australia and throw a boomerang around with Gerald Murnane.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's just it keeps coming back. Um, but I guess yeah, you, that, you can't
1: play catch the boomerang that takes away the point of it, I guess.
0: Uh, yeah, I suppose. But again, that would have been, that would have been just one of the funny, the the more enjoyable things about that, if uh, any potential hypothetical funny trade would have been, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to draft a pass rusher. It's just like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, what about, is he as good as the one who just left? <laughs> Probably not, but, you know, at least we don't have to pay all that money. Cool, 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 you absolute moron. Um, or it's like, yeah.
1: it would be like trading Clowney and then drifting, drafting Montez Sweat. Or trading Clowney <laughs> and drafting Brian Burns. Like, yeah, maybe they'll be good one day, but you already have the best version of that player already on your team. And you like, yeah. sure, you save like 11 million dollars in salary, but it's not, it's the value isn't worth it.
0: Yeah, I mean, things could be better if the Texans switch to a to a four three full time and you know kick JJ Waterkly inside and you know bring Whitney Merciless up to the line of scrimmage again. Yeah, we might actually might get something nice out of that. We could actually do it. Brendan Scarlet and, and Dylan Cole aren't bad off ball linebackers. You've already got Cunningham and McKinney, so. You know, do it, please. We've been asking for this now for three years.
1: Or just run that four three over thing where you just put Merciless as the like the backside five and just like oh, let yeah, him play too. there. You know, like something like that. But Watt can't take on double teams and uh and they're just making Merciless completely useless by having him rush as a wide nine. Uh so mm-hmm. I have one last listener question and I, I don't know the answer to this. I think you have a better hold on it from reading you know, Mike Fiorio and, and Albert Breer, but he asked. Uh, how are they going to find guys in the waiver wire through trade now? Is it gonna be Bill O'Brien like saying, hey, I want this guy, I'm gonna get this guy, or how do you think the whole process is gonna work out?
0: I think so it'll probably it'll probably work through the director of pro personnel in terms of this will be the person working in regards to like we don't again, this is the kind of hard thing to gauge with Bill O'Brien is how hands-on he will be on a day-to-day basis. And whether or not he will just come into the office and say, like to, um, sorry, to Matt Bazirgen, where they'll just go, I need a new tight end. Okay. Ryan Griffin's not cutting it anymore. Two rookies that we got last year. They're no good. Get me somebody now. And Matt Bazirgen has to go find that for him. And whether like Bill O'Brien has to maintain like that, that would be kind of the way I would imagine it. Like he, he maintains plausible deniability of just like, I didn't specifically pick this person out, but I instruct this person to go find that guy. Um, That would be the very Bill O'Brien way of doing it. So that way, so he can, you know, push somebody else under the bus if it comes down to it. Um, In regards to, I, but like looking over in terms of who's going to be acquiring stuff via the wire wire and the free agency, I think that's going to get punted down the road until Casillero comes in. I don't believe – I'd be surprised if the Texans did any moves like that over the next year or so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a good way to put it. I um, I don't know. I just can't imagine how it's going to work out. Like not only is he trying to figure out how to run the ball against the Saints, you know, top five run defense from last year, but then he's also going to be, I don't know, scouting or something, trying to find some cornerback to find out of nowhere. I, I think it's going to be a tr- disaster. It's going to be a travesty. And my, my galaxy brain thinking is that just trade all your draft picks because you're not going to do the scouting that you need to do for next season. So just trade them all. Who cares? Just <laughs> any of all this cap space. Just add a bunch of like $5 million a year veterans and sell off your third-round picks and second-round picks for like $7 million each and uh, go all in on this year and try to desperately win 10 games and fix this team around as, as much as possible.
0: Yeah, just complete... Just completely punt on the year. Erase it from the erase it from the history books as a whole. Just like we never had picks, we never had a season kind of kind of thing. Or yeah, just
1: it, like I'm just saying, erase you? next year's draft completely. Go all in on this year. All those seven picks next year don't matter at all. It's only about this year now.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I I'd be down for that. Just just a very a great approach, great approach to general managing is just like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be bothered scouting. So it's just like trade everything, give me give me players now. I don't want rookies.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's exhausting. It really is. Yeah, it really is. It, what a what an exhausting like last four months it's been as as far as just riding and caring about this team to just have like an off season where you're just constantly waiting for them to do something that's smart and very good and important to make this team better this year and have Watson as rookie contract and have him being paid less than Sineo Calimente and just like not do it and then keep not doing it and be like, yeah, that guy would be great here. Yeah, we're just not going to do that. That guy would be great here. And we're not even going to give him a phone call. And we're just going to keep doing that. And then you kind of hope in the draft that, okay, well, at least they have all these top picks and maybe they can find media impact rookies. And they just get their first three guys are guys who probably won't be good for another three for like, it's like year three and then you're kind of left here and then Brian gang gets fired. And, uh, and like, you're trying to be excited for football. Cause you like football from a Texans perspective only. Cause football is gonna be good no matter what. And you're trying to be expi- excited about the Texans. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just so dumb.
0: And then you get and then your GM gets fired, you don't do anything to replace him either, uh, or you try to. and then you know you get kind of stingyed out of it and decide to just not you just like throw a hissy fit and give give the head coach more power. Uh, it's yeah, it's um it's taxing on the brain to think to think about this as a whole. Um, I'm gonna be glad when actually fo- when actual football is here, we can start. Um, chastising them for you know the product that's actually on the field which is what everyone cares about and not the dumb idiocy of uh back office politics yeah which is currently which is currently uh prevailing
1: it is true it's much better be talking about football in a tangible sense instead of this intangible like swirl of uh you know ambigu- of like imagination and ambiguity
0: yeah it's uh how 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 many days are it? listen? One of the NFL Twitter accounts is probably tweeting out tweeting out right now. How many days is it? It is till football. I don't know. It's under, under hundred. or so.
1: I think it's seventy nine. Because I I'll like you know check out NFL see if there's any any posts I can scrape off of there because that place is accessible of just like the dumbest football talk you'll ever see, and like the worst memes like the not even the memes but like the most the worst jokes and it's just so tired and stale and the internet's bad but uh it said yeah. oh marshall lynch has 79 yard touchdown run and it's 79 days until football let's talk about that i guess so i think we're at yeah. 79 now
0: it's like it's like a content churn but for people who aren't getting paid it's yeah. just like why are you why are you do why why would anyone want to like create this kind of content if you're not yeah I don't but know. anyway it's uh it's 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 crazy because uh, i also i guess
1: i guess internet points
0: yes um also to uh pearl onions who put a wonderful comment of uh this in the uh, in the post of the po- in the post of the podcast overbearing father thankless son second guessing uncle immune to the group think head coach and uncanny streaks of the looking general manager uh these are the five characters in a situation Can, and could we develop a story or a script uh, to play around and bill o'brien said yes we can um we have our best people on us uh which is me and uprooted Texans i'm just going to ask him about that later but yeah we'll tr- we'll try and recreate something along those lines uh i i i already have like the group think head coach in my head being like a uh, big like it, my imagination is telling me he's like one of those like business figures from like the seventies who wears a suit that's probably two sizes too big for him. And just like goes around with like a phone and like greased hair. And it's just like telling everybody now, now business action, do it go. Just like very kind of ingratiated. It was, like very aggressive. And then like, the fa- or just like the second-guessing uncle of just like constantly frittering about and fretting and just going back and forth between oh should I use this play on third down should I do that oh wow is my does my butt look big in this tracksuit like that kind of that kind of stuff um, yeah we can we can we can try and come with come up with something so something uh, something suitable for this drama of stupidity which has occurred over the past two weeks um, feel, feel feel like it should need to be dramatized at some point.
1: Yeah, have you? I mean, that's pretty much writing a Virginia Wolf novel, uh, so that's that's not anything I can do, and you know, sadly, she died 50 years ago or something like that, but yeah, if you want to do it, I'll, I'll happily sit here and try to reenact it, and I've never been in a play before, but also, if you need some good summer reading, I can't say, say this enough, Miss Dalloway takes place in the second week of June, and like it is the third week of June, but it's still a, a perfect time to read that book, and it's only like 180 pages, and... It's amazing just, like, how much the same character tropes and problems people have just keeps resonating even 45 years later, or I guess even longer than that, I guess even 70 years later. Like, people have the same problems they've always had. I guess is what I got out of that book. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, it's it's one of the kind of, like, literature has a timeless kind of classical nature to it. And even, and even if you've heard that same kind of story over and over and over again, it still tinges, it still... Hits, hits, hits a chord deep in you that you know oh crap I've been in that kind of situation or I've had those kind of emotions and it's just like it harks all the way back to and you're just like damn damn I, I wish I wish I had this again
1: yeah the, the best character in this book he's like a 56 year old man and he's still sad that Miss Dalloway broke up with him when he was like 19 years old he's like I've wasted my whole oh, life I'm like you are the, the most <laughs> sorry man I've ever read about in my entire life
0: yeah that, that that would unfortunately be me that would just be <laughs> just like thinking about ba- thinking back upon one's life and just going shit or like i remember i think it was what, like drew what, McGarry. What, uh,
1: what happens in the book is he meets her and he hasn't seen her in like 50 years somewhere like 45 years and he starts crying i was like this happened 45 <laughs> years ago man come on come on now
0: i think it was like drew McGarry had this really kind of uh interesting take on what like the worst version of like purgatory would be or just like that moment before you died and he was he was like yeah I think the worst thing possible would be uh just like just before you died you feel like an entire sequence flashes in front of your eyes of all the times that somebody was into you but you didn't pick up on it oh yeah
1: <laughs> that would I would
0: yeah I would i would just like cripple it was just like going out in the worst way possible of just me screaming no
1: yeah, it's definitely it like every- a, a Kaiser Soze moment. I remember one time I was sitting <laughs> in the toilet, and this was like from high school. It was like seven years ago. I was like, oh my God, you're so unbelievably stupid. And, I, and I, <laughs> every every man goes through that, except for like the cool guys who always are, are right and smart and never making mistakes.
0: Yeah, and then they go through it in later life it was yeah. just like we try and get it over and done with as fast as possible just like having, <laughs> having having that moment of just like wow I'm a moron I'm actually a moron um and just I just hope you don't have those same kind of experiences repeating over and over again
1: um, Yeah Well like, good, or good. or you can just be the Houston Texans and uh not only keep repeating the same stupid circumstances but going all in on the originator of them just going all all through it so Yeah just uh, like the
0: just like the big dude with the cowboy hat the casino going, yeah, haw and rolling dice.
1: That's them. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, I guess that's uh, that will do it for this evening. Well, I don't know when we're going to do another show again, to be honest. I guess we can do, like, a training camp preview at the end of next month uh, before I go play Cowboy in Wyoming. And then, but yeah, I I just don't know. I don't know what text and stuff we can do. It seems like everything's just going to be a lot of this, a lot of, like, late after the fact after birth of this whole GM debacle, and then yeah. until it kind of comes out through there.
0: Yeah, uh, unfortunately, July and August are the dead months for football, uh, so you know, we're going to have to reanimate a corpse, as it were, for the next couple of months.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can go back and watch every condensed game, and we can talk about each game that happened last year. But I oh, don't know, we'll figure something out. But anyways, it was, yeah. it was great having you on tonight and going back to this whole Bill O'Brien thing and the recent news. And thank yes. you for being on tonight, Luke. And my name is Matt Weston. And thanks for stopping